There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? So, Max, here's what I'm thinking. Everyone loves ponies, and I mean everyone. What I need from you is just a little starting cash, enough to grease the gears of the old Panaflex, if you know what I'm saying, and you probably don't. Best thing is, this tiny investment of yours is only going to take about six weeks to come back to you. Eight at the outside. And we're not even talking cabbage. We're talking like... The parsley! Bumpy, see, he has special powers. This meteor falls into a stall one night, and the cosmic rays, or whatever they're called, they give him an origin. He can fly and disappear, and he makes all the children happy. Well, the devil can't have that, so he comes to town, and he and Bumpy have a face-off. And we are going to have the world's first Jiu-Jitsu Pony Explosion! He's already taking lessons. And wait till you see who we got for the devil? Burgess Meredith! Now, now, now I, I know what you're thinking. Mike, he's dead. But that's why we can afford him. That's right. We're talking the actual remains of the original penguin. And all we have to do is dress up them bones a bit, attach some wires, and we have ourselves one hell of a devil. <laughs> uh, might have to uh, set him on fire or something, too. Oh, and the best part is, all I need from you is a little tiny... Max Mike Movies! <laughs> oh no, we don't make oh, movies, dear, oh, dear. we just watch them. Even if one of us did go to film school, not that I finished. <clears throat> anyway, we are in the last trilogy of choices for our series, What's So Funny? A Look at Film Comedies. And this one is our most recent thus far. Dolomite Is My Name is a 2019 sorta kinda biopic of one Rudy Ray Moore starring Eddie Murphy. And it even briefly made it to theaters. But was it funny? Well, you know it is funny. It's that master of the ha, Max Tickle Me Elmo Levine. Make us laugh, Max. So have you heard the one about the three nuns in the nudist colony? Shut up. And Seems me, it was these three nuns. Shut up. <laughs> and me, I'm just this guy over here. Mike, uh, what's that punchline again? Loose. But enough about us. Let's hear more about our... Question. If you recall, last episode, we asked who your favorite cinematic bad guy was. These were them what you named. Starting over to the website where it's so ding-dang cold, I don't know what I can unfreeze my oh, fingers great, to type. Yeah. Oh yeah, so cold, eh? Because we're talking to Vince. And he's snapping the whip on some ornery penguins. He's from Canada, you know. Penguins. He wrote, quote, I am very partial to Frank Booth in Blue Velvet because no matter, <laughs> no matter how many times I see the film, he is always terrifying. But yes. I also, but I also think the HAL 9000 computer is up there. Its Ooh. cool, calm voice comes from a camera panel, but it's all over the ship and manages to kill almost everyone on the Discovery spaceship for the good of the mission. Something I tell Max all the time. When it refuses to let Dave back in the ship or even discuss the matter, he comes across as pure calculated evil. Or is that calculator evil? And you thought I would say, Agira, the wrath of God again. Oops! 
Oops, I just did, end quote. <laughs> so you did. I had Thanks, to bring Vince. in your friggin' Herzog, didn't you? <laughs> well, he is funny, because there's nothing better than a Herzog oh. joke. Oh, yeah, that, whack, that wacky Nosferatu humor. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Nick Hoffman was next. Quote, Darth Vader, followed by Heath Ledger's oh. Joker. First scene mm. in Star Wars got me immediately, and Ledger just nails it, end quote. Oh, that he does. Thanks, Nick. Angelo Pazzala sent us, quote, Jaws from the Bond movies, end quote. Oh, wow. Okay. I see. He's fun. Sure. Thanks, Angelo. Adam Mark's choice doesn't even really have a name. He wrote, mm. quote, Man from Bambi 1942. The mm. unseen villain is announced only by an ascending chord of three notes on strings over and over and over and the oh. warning cause of crows. Idyllic meadows and woods depicted in pastels and soft edges become jagged, bright, and graphic as every creature runs for their very lives. The mm. effect of trepidation this creates would not be matched until Jaws 1975. The villain kills not for profit or power or revenge, but solely because he can. Oh, the generations of children who learned about death through Bambi's wandering through the winter wonderland, bleating for his mother, only to stumble upon the great prince of the forest who utters with stifled sadness, your mother cannot be with you anymore. And then they head off into the forest, resigned to their fates without thought of revenge or escape, for this villain cannot be beaten, only endured. A masterful villain by early Disney, one you could never even hope to dream of depicting today. End quote. Wow. Bumby's mom! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really intriguing. I mean, because that's a villain you never see, you never hear. Yeah. But that's, that's a good point. It's even one I know you don't really think about. No. Uh, wow. It is a really interesting take. Thanks, Adam. Dave! <clears throat> Thank you. Nearly missed mm -hmm. your cue. Sorry, sorry. The other guy, what writes this a lot, said, quote, I generally like villains that come in pairs. Fruit? No, no, two oh. of them. I see. Uh, oh, sure, the team. Yeah. On TV, it would, of course, be Siegfried und Starke of Chaos. <laughs> we I do not... In chaos! <laughs> but I suppose that doesn't count. On the uh. big screen, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid in the Bond Ooh. movies are a kind of villain combo that I enjoy. Yep. Sure. Uh, Why not? Come on. If, you, if at first you don't succeed, Mr. Wint. Try, try again, Mr. Kid. And they're not gay. At least not when seen <laughs> on TV and that scene's cut out, but whatever. In Japanese films, there is a pair of beautiful women assassins in a movie called The Wolves, a Gosha Hideo movie that has Nakadai in it. They walk around in kimono with umbrellas and pull blades out of the umbrellas. One is played by Anami Kyoko, who I just love. I will post a few photos below because they don't talk much, but mostly walk around looking cool and leaving a trail of death in their wake. Gosha Hideo does not have the recognition in the United States that he deserves as a director. His movies are nihilistic and somewhat of an acquired taste, end quote. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. Always love the, those international the, answers. The, picture, the pictures are pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we, we you know, we, maybe we should do a short season, season on Dave one point. Dave's yeah. looks. That might Dave's be cool. Dave's movies. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey offered, quote, I'm not sure why, even, but the person who immediately popped into my head was Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham in the 1991 <laughs> oh, wow. Robin Hood. He was amazing in that film, end quote. Well, Alan Rickman was amazing in dog food commercials. No, no, he mm. never did one. But yeah, thanks, Becca. 
Following on Dr. Pelkey's heels is Ethan Curran, who added, quote, I was thinking of Rickman as Hans Gruber in Die Hard, but of course that's partly because my extended family watches it every Christmas, and the presents can't go under the tree until Hans Gruber falls (laughs) off Nicotomi Plaza, end quote. (laughs) Oh, isn't that nice? What a lovely sentence. That's very family, yes. Oh, when Alan Rickman dies, now we can have presents. (laughs) It's Christmas! (laughs) (laughs) Well, no wonder what you can't go wrong with a little Rickman. Thanks, Ethan. Yep, true. Regan McStravick's answer was, quote, Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men is hard to Ooh, beat. Ooh, burr, yikes. Also for <laughs> Alan Rickman right. fans, Quigley Down Under is certainly on oh. his best. Oh. And I can't leave out Gary Oldman in The Professional. No, you certainly can't. Oh, God, yeah, he's terrifying in that. But I'm not sure I've ever seen a character quite as evil as Donald Sutherland in 1900, end quote. Wow, that's what? a lot of evil. Do you know that movie? No. I don't either. 1900. Yeah. Huh. To check that out. Val Coons, famous director of the podcast Mm. Q Footsteps, takes takes us way, way back to Yesterfilm. Quote, here's an odd one. Kirk Douglas as Cactus Jack in The Villain. The movie is now unwatchable due to some (laughs) awful portrayals of Native Americans, among many other reasons. But the Wile E. Coyote-esque scene where he paints a tunnel entrance that Arnold Schwarzenegger Uh. (laughs) actually uses, then of course was just paint when Cactus tries to follow, is hilarious. Hal Needham directed this picture, and you can sure tell. I'd also throw in Blofeld from James Bond, Hans Gruber in Die Hard, and the xenomorph in Alien, though I don't know if I'd really call her a bad guy as she was only protecting her eggs, end quote. Mm -hmm. She was doing that in Aliens, not in Alien. In Alien, it's Mm -hmm. potentially a guy and he's just a jerk. (laughs) But yeah, the villain, that that is an odd one. Good luck finding that anywhere. (laughs) Wow. Thanks, Val, I think. Mm. (laughs) Makes you think, doesn't it? No. Oh. I actually saw it in a theater when it came out. (laughs) Ooh, wow. I walked home from that movie, and that was a journey. All right. George Saulnier was next with, quote, I find few characters as unsettling as Frank from Blue Velvet. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Burt Lancaster's J.J. Hunsecker in The Sweet Smell of Success is marvelously sinister. Finally, for fun, there's Vincent Price as Bainbridge Waters in Champagne for Caesar. Such a wonderful bit of scenery chewing that I had to rewatch all his scenes three times the first time I saw it, end quote. Wow. Even more interesting choices. Thanks, George. Have you seen either of those? No, I've never even heard of them. Wow. Hmm, Neat. Hmm. Sometimes I feel like maybe we shouldn't have a podcast. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hey, if being qualified was an issue, no one would have a podcast. You have a point. Yes, you're French. Mm -hmm. Matt Reisman's answer was in two parts. First, quote, Mm. of course it's Darth Vader, but I think Hans Gruber, Mm. Die Hard, and Agent Smith Matrix deserve honorable mentions. And for a deeper cut, Miss Trunchbull from Matilda. Oh, wow. Okay. He then explains, quote, Vader has menace and silhouette. You feel that everyone is in danger when he's on screen. Gruber is charming. You almost want him to win. Some of us do. But he's just a little too violent and a little too conniving, which keeps him solidly in the villain category rather than becoming an anti-hero. Agent Smith has that similar menace, but reveals a moment of depth. He's a representative of a system, but he's grown to hate that system, too. You don't ever root for him, but there's a little bit of you that understands where he's coming from. Trunchbull is an interesting character because she's very unrealistic as an adult, but she kind of represents the fear that you has as, had as a kid that the authority figures in your life could do whatever they wanted to you. She makes huh. everyone around her feel powerless and delights in it, end quote. 
Wow. Well, thanks for all the well thought out answers, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see Blue Velvet one of these days, or do I? <laughs> if you want to see it, you're not seeing it with me. I saw that movie once, and that was enough. Yeah. Well, neat. Brilliant. It's a great movie. Is it David but Lynch. Yeah. Who is that? Hmm? It That's is David Lynch. Lynch. It is David oh, Lynch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kyle MacLachlan, Laura Dern. Yeah, I don't like Kyle MacLachlan. I don't I think, know why. Uh, <laughs> I think Isabella Rossellini is in it. <laughs> you just like to say Rossellini. I, I do. I really do. <laughs> well, from there, Charles Forthys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. From there, Charles Forsyth does a 170 and takes us <laughs> off to, quote, Skeletor from Masters of the Universe 1987. <laughs> Masters of the Universe okay. is a movie that you have to watch ironically, but thanks to Frank Langella's performance as Skeletor, you can enjoy at least portions of it unironically. It's pretty clear that Langella is the only member of the cast who is actually trying, and he is clearly hamming it up with glee. You might wonder what financial disaster forced an actor of Langella's <laughs> caliber to take this role, but the fact is he sought it out. At the oh. time, Langella had a young son who was a fan of the He-Man cartoon and particularly loved Skeletor. Frank Langella did the film as a gift to his son, Frank Langella III. The love that the senior Frank, who is actually Frank Langella Jr., brought to the role oh. really shows and makes what would otherwise be a complete piece of garbage actually watchable as a guilty pleasure, end quote. Wow. Okay. Did that's not well see reasoned. that coming. <laughs> Don't know if I agree, but that's a very, it's an interesting point. Thanks, Charles. Hey, at yeah. least he has on his side acting talent as opposed to the other major character who has underwear pecs <laughs> big pecs yes salty salty pecs <laughs> by my count that's all the answers from you folks but what about you max this was your questions who did you have in mind i don't know there are so many cool villains out there i do like hans gruber i just think he's so damn cool it's one of the problems is he's he's cooler than the hero in that movie yeah, that's my big problem with that movie <laughs> <laughs> who do you want to win alan rickman or bruno <laughs> I'm going to vote with Alan Rickman. <laughs> oh, no, man. But then we won't get any Seagram's golden wine coolers. Uh, huh? Oh, you don't remember that ad campaign? No. Bruce Willis, he would sing. Is it like Baby Sham? The subtle taste of I, pear? <laughs> I don't know. I just remember the line was, it's wet and it's dry, which was very confusing to me. That doesn't sound sexual. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So you're going to go with yeah, uh, those I, guys? I'd go with Hans. I'd go with, Gru with Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. How about you? Who's your favorite bad dude? I got a. I got an odd one, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm one of the only. I'm one of few people who picked a woman. I'm going to go with Kathy Bates's performance as Annie Wilkes in Misery. Oh, yep, that's a good one. Yeesh. I was told. I do not remember this happening. I was told by the people I saw the film with, that near the end of the film, I stood up when James Conn had the typewriter in hand, I stood up and screamed in the theater, kill the bitch, kill the bitch. I don't remember <laughs> wow. doing this. But her performance was so amazing in that film. It's the first film I think I've ever seen her in. I think it was her first major role. And I believe I she won an Oscar right. for it. I think so, yeah. But she was great, and I just, I hated her. Hate, hate, hate. And the thing is that was really cool about her as a villain is she was a total character. It wasn't just, <laughs> I'm going no, to no, tie you to No, no, she had motivations. Yeah. She was human. And you understood where she was coming from, especially if you dealt with fandom of any kind. Yeah. She was hauntingly familiar. <laughs> so, yeah, 
that's uh, that's where I went is misery. Yeah, but cool. Thank you so much for your answers. We love your answers. They're getting oh, yeah. um, so good. Quite honestly, too good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Could you just say dumb things for a while? You know, who's your favorite villain? Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, we really do love all your answers. But that's not all. If you mm. answer this week's poll question, you will earn an extra five trillion bumpy bucks, the cryptocurrency that's yada yada yada, and it's so tasty too. Who is your favorite film director? Who can do no wrong? Or even if they do, you can wave it off with barely a gesture. Let us Ooh, know, boy. earn some bucks, and buy some pucks. They're ponylicious. And speaking of something trivial... The facts. We're talking about Dolomite Is My Name. Budget. Well, that's a <laughs> Netflix secret now, isn't it? Ah. Uh, Take. Yeah. There isn't one. Though yeah, it had a limited release. Yeah. Um, though it had a limited release and did premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival, there's no mm. recorded box office for it. While this is ostensibly a movie about the making of Dolomite, there are actually bits from other of Moore's movies in this, including Petey Wheatstraw, The Human Tornado, and Disco Godfather. But biopics will do that. See our entire series on biopics. Mm. There's a bit of an age difference between the star and the subject here. As depicted, Rudy Ray Moore would have been 47 at the time this movie takes place, but Eddie Murphy is a spry 58. Mm. Wesley Snipes, who is somehow 57, is playing someone who wow. is 35. Yeah, we'll get back to Wesley, because... Um, yeah, I think he pulls that off. Uh, I think something happened in Blade that he doesn't talk about. <clears throat> Just saying. <laughs> Though Murphy is a big Snipes fan, this is the first time they work together. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Wes did not work for quite a while. Um, is that <laughs> true? Some, I wonder why. Due to why. some small tax issues, oh, he, yes. He was doing work, just it wasn't in a big audience. Yeah. Uh, speaking of audiences, uh, Eddie hasn't worked blue since 1999's mm. Life. For those who don't mm. know that blue is a term generally mean with profane language and sexual mm. innuendo and don't work blue. Yeah. It demeans you the aud you the performer and us the audience. And I think honestly, if the term blue hadn't been invented for Rudy Ray Moore, yeah, we'll get back to that because who yeah. Rudy uh, yeah. Rudy Ray Moore claimed to have worked with Red Fox, though as a dishwasher, but huh. Eddie Murphy did work with Fox in 1989's Harlem Nights. And the real Rudy Ray Moore appeared with Snoop Dogg, who is in this film, Ugh. in Snoop Doggy Dog, Doggy Dog World in 1994. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, that nude scene, the uh, the unflattering mm -hmm. one, well, mm -hmm. there's a body double for Murphy, so we don't get any shots of the real Murphy butt. <laughs> we, we don't get to see little Eddie, okay? No, we do not. <laughs> Monster. Pretty much. Uh, since there isn't a lot of trivia about this mm -hmm. movie, here's a bit about the original Dolomite movie. Mm. Budget, $100,000, which in 1975 wow. is no small amount of money. That's, that's impressive considering he basically funded it himself. Yeah. With a few, with some loans from a record, a very small record company. Yeah. Take $12 million, and they Dang. said Love at First Bite was successful. <laughs> Supposedly, the source of the name Dolomite came from a regular at the record store where Moore, who had been a stand-up comedian, worked. He was oh. indeed a wino called Rico. That was actually true. Oh, all right. Moore's first album, Eat Out More Often, did indeed make the top 20 on Billboard magazine. How? We'll never know. 
Mm. I listened to some of it, and that's why I say that. <laughs> not uh. that it's not funny, but well, we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. There was a sequel made to Dolomite and released the following year, The Human Tornado. A sort of sequel was released in 1999, Shaolin Dolomite, and finally, <laughs> The Return of Dolomite in 2002. Moore would die in 2008. Among other things, the real Rudy Ray Moore was a preacher and a nightclub dancer. His first character before Dolomite was Prince Dumar. His first comedy albums actually came out in the 60s, and he had three of them. Huh. He actually recorded them in his apartment with an audience of friends, which is why it I sounds no like a I have no trouble believing that. Yeah. According to Snoop Dogg, who appears in this film, without Rudy Ray Moore, there would be no Snoop Dogg. Wow. Yeah, and huh. a little bit more, but we'll get back to that. Uh, do, you don't have any trivia, I'm guessing, to the biopic, or do you? I got one thing. It's oh, a cool. small thing, but at one point, you know, Wesley Snipes plays Derville Martin. Right. Uh, Derville Martin's a real person. Yes. Well, and they, so is everybody talk in this film, but yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're all real. He's not a composite or anything. No. And uh, at one point, they're ta- he's talking about how he'd been directed by Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. Then someone's saying, yeah, 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 Rosemary's Baby. Derville Martin was, in fact, in Rosemary's Baby as Diego, the elevator operator. Yep, just like he said. So, yeah, I think he has a line. Yeah, if he has that. Yeah, so, but. Yeah, cool. but I thought that was a nice touch that they threw that in. Yeah. Well, let's get to the plot, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore, a down-and-out dreamer who's tried having a record career, has been a dancer, and now mostly works at a record store while still trying to keep his stand-up career alive by doing five-minute gigs at a local club. They are not received well. One of the record store's ne'er-do-wells, a homeless man named Rico, constantly comes in begging for change while telling outrageous stories that no one seems to want to hear. That is until Moore gets it into his head that those stories, flipped, fried, and finagled, might actually be the source of some much better material that he could come up with on his own, sort of. So, after collecting stories from all the local hobos, he rewrites them and comes up with the character, the flamboyant, loudmouth, bragging Dolomite, to present them. His first try goes over so well, the club owner has him back again and again. Moore gets it into his head to make yet another record, though this one will be comedy, not music having to convince his aunt to invest in what is sure to be just another flop and finding no one else who wants to issue it, Moore ends up publishing and distributing his record himself. And it catches on. Big time. So he does another. And another. He gets signed to gigs all over the South. When he returns home, he goes out with his friends to see a big Walter Matthau Jack Lemon comedy, The Front Page, and can't understand why movies like that, which he and his friends think are really unfunny, are doing so well. So, he decides to make his own movie starring himself as Dolomite. He knows what people want to see. Kung fu, whores, pimps, and the like. Somehow, in a very Ed Woodian manner, he manages to scrape up money, friends, and semi-professionals to throw together the film Dolomite. Oddly enough, he can't get anyone interested in distributing this either. And since he's ponied up the future royalties for his records, it looks like he's going to lose the budget of the movie and his recordings as well. Until he meets a DJ who knows someone who knows someone, and he suggests more pay the theater 500 bucks to show the movie, with more keeping all the box office. More hits the streets and really promotes his film from an upcoming Friday midnight show and sells out. This catches the eyes of low-budget movie house Dimension Films, you know, who had already passed on Dolomite. 
Figuring they might have been wrong, they make an offer and get the film into quite a few screens across the country, focusing on big city downtown movie palaces. Everyone's surprised when the shows not only sell out, they have to add new shows to deal with crowds. And more, loving the spotlight, entertains those crowds until they can get in and see his masterpiece. The end. The film. Oh, that was very complete. I, I tried to get as much as I could. I mean, it could literally be, uh, so this is a movie about this guy who made a bad movie, the end. But yeah. I, it was, I don't know. I knew very little. Did you actually, have you ever actually seen Dolomite? I've seen clips from it. I've never seen the whole movie. I kind of don't know why I haven't. Because the <laughs> clips I've seen make me go, this is so totally a film that I would like. But yep, I haven't. Yep. It, it was one of those films in the early days of video stores, especially mom and pop mm. video rental stores. This is a film that would show up along with Cleopatra Jones. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other ones. Black Mama, White Mama. Yeah, Black Velvet. Or no, Velvet Smooth, that's right. Uh, no, that was it, Velvet Smooth. Basically, let's Cotton put... Cotton comes to Harlem. Let's yep. put anything we can onto video to rent it, because... Quite honestly, a lot of times you could never find what you wanted. And if they just had the big name films, you'd walk into an empty video store. But for some reason, yeah. I never saw Dolomite. How about this film? Have you seen this film before? I have, actually. I saw oh. it when it came out on Netflix in 2019. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was the year. I think uh, Murphy was nominated. Uh, well, I don't remember who was. They were talk there was talk about him being nominated for an Oscar. I don't think he was actually uh, nominated, although... He was nominated for a butt-ton of other awards. For You mean from other places like Golden Globes and stuff like that? Yeah, Golden Globes, mm -hmm. yeah, Cinema Club. Uh, uh, admittedly, he also, I believe, won the Razzie that year for this movie. Really? I think so. Why? I'm not sure. That's dumb. The Razzies are very strange sometimes. Now let's take a quick look. Oh, it looks like he got a Razzie Redeemer Award, which I think uh, means we used to not like you, but now we like you, and he won that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. cool. But yeah, he uh, he actually did win a lot of awards from various places. The Black Reel Awards, the AAFCA Awards, mm -hmm. ACE Awards. I think oh. the BET gave him, at least nominated him, a bunch of others. NAACP. Yeah. Good for him. Um, mm -hmm. I had not heard of this film, which, to be fair, it's the one downside of having movies done by streaming services is that the publicity is usually not nearly as widespread, yeah, i.e. usually, usually not off-site. <laughs> yeah, if you had Netflix, you knew about it. If you didn't have Netflix, you didn't hear much. Yeah. I Yeah, I didn't even know what to expect. This is a film that popped up on a number of best of comedy lists, and I was want, like, let's give this a try. Let's try this out. As is usually the case in our little film, or film, in our little show... <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll make that movie. That's Max a, Mike movies the movie. Yeah, the flicker. Because that's no, probably no, 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 we have to be. change the title. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, we usually start off with the cast. Now this one's going to mm. be a little weird because there's mostly Eddie Murphy and a lot of other people, none of whom have huge roles. No, he's really the center. This is more of a it's him driven and plot driven, not yeah. so much character driven. But, I mean, you get some remarkable names in here. I mean, Keegan-Michael Key is in here. Yeah. What and was, you know, he, What is he best known for, do you think? I remember him for Key and Peele, the comedy team. Okay. But, uh, he is uh, so stiff in this. It's actually, you can tell he's meant to be playing against type. Because mm -hmm. he's just so humorless and very, it feels he's, like he's he trying to be. Way, 
He's trying to be very uptown. Well, he's trying. He's trying to be very. You know, he wants to be taken seriously. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's one of those stereotypes, and there's a reason for them. Of the guy thinks, well, if I'm going to be taken seriously, I can't talk black. Yeah. I have to sound white, and I have to. You know, he's he's trying to do stuff for black theater, but he sounds like he's trying to pass. Yeah. And. Yeah, he's actually an interesting character. I'm kind of sorry we don't get more about him. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that, unfortunately. But I, I think he does a good job. He is the writer um, of the screenplay mm-hmm. for Dolomite, <laughs> sort of. Because it's yeah. obvious that Eddie Murphy's character, Rudy, and we'll get back to Eddie Murphy, knows what he wants, but he can't write. He wants a, a real writer. But he also just keeps rewriting him and adding things like, I want an yeah. army of kung fu women. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And there's got to be an exorcism. Okay, no, we'll do that in the next movie. <laughs> Which I think he did. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and we got uh, Mike Epps yep. as uh, Jimmy Lynch, who's pretty much like just a stooge. He's his best friend, I guess, yeah. if, for want of a better term. He's fine. It's not a big mm-hmm. role, so he doesn't have a lot to do. Neither does Craig Robinson, who plays Ben. Although, if that's yeah. him singing, good for I him. I think it is him. He has, a, he has a, yeah, Craig Robinson has a very nice voice. Doesn't he? Oh, that's like yeah. velvet poured over ice. Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right after I watched this movie, just as a sort of, of a thing, I just put on some Marvin Gaye because I was in the mood. Uh, and that his voice was part of that. So yeah. mm. um, We have Titus Burgess as Theater Tony. My One of my notes in him was, does he know he's gay? Uh, later in the film, oh, no. he, it comes out yeah. that yes, he does. It's pretty clear. Well, Which is, and it's kind of ironic the way Rudy reacts. Like nobody wants to hear about that. Yeah, there's a fair amount of evidence that Rudy may have been gay. Oh no, there's testimony that he was at least bisexual, ah, probably okay. gay. So yeah, mm. I thought. It was funniest because he. It wasn't so much that his character comes out; it's that his hair comes out. His hair yeah. gets fancier and fancier throughout the film. Yep. yep. But the, yeah. the one, I, the one I thought really standout performance besides Eddie Murphy yeah. was Divine Joy Randolph as Lady Reed. She has not much more screen time than the other people, but man, is no. she a fully rounded character. And she has so much personality and so much presence. She's so. Not only does she have that. You want to know more about her, too. Like, yeah. if they had done, like, a little side sequel on her, I don't know anything about her. I don't know if she actually nope. did continue with a career as stand-up. No clue. But you're sitting there, basically, she is this woman that Eddie just sees, or I should, sorry, Rudy, witnesses mm-hmm. get in a fight with her then-boyfriend, husband, whatever, and she gets hit by him, and then she smacks him right back. She, Good for her. And she knocks him down. Yeah. I mean, she gets hurt, but she just, he takes him out. And Rudy comes over to talk to her after his set, and he's like, I don't know who she is, but I gotta get to get to know her better. And that's what the film does. It's like it introduces mm-hmm. her, and he basically shores her up, and he's not even trying to get into her pants. He's literally just mm-hmm. like, no, I think you're funny, and I think you're, I, I didn't actually come out and say I think you're beautiful, but I think he means it. And mm-hmm. he's like, just what the stuff you're talking about now, you're funny. And she f- slowly admits she has all these, you know, self-image problems. But she admits, yeah, I make my son laugh and stuff. So he convinces her to get up and do an act, which goes over really well. Yeah. I just, we didn't get enough of it. No, we didn't. Then you get, we get a couple of, it, of fun cameos. I mean, Snoop Dogg is in it as Raj the DJ. Well, Snoop Dogg's in it as Snoop Dogg. I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. face it. We don't get a lot of depth there, but no, he's no. got presence, so that's all that counts. Yep. Chris Rock shows up as another DJ. Yep, uh, very briefly, but it's no mistaking sure. it's Chris Rock. 
Yep. yep. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm going to go with a cast of a bunch of other people because mm-hmm. they don't have uh, Wesley Snipes. We have to. We have, how oh, yeah. has Wesley Snipes just basically said, oh, yeah, all those years in jail, I didn't age. I just, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it's amazing. He looks exactly the same. The other thing that always strikes me about Snipes, it, he was positioned as a big action hero because yeah. he's big and menacing Except and he is incredibly <laughs> muscled. He is funny. He is actually really good. At, I mean, if you ever see him in like Major League or To Wong Fu, yeah. with thanks from Julie Newmar, he is funny. He also and isn't he's very got tall, great comic timing, which surprised me. No, he me. isn't. <laughs> but he had he's got he's very big and muscly. Yeah. So and he has a lot of presence, so he gives you the impression of being much bigger than he is. And he's also very memorable in his not very big part. He. Mm. And I don't know anything about this particular character, Derville, but he mm-hmm. really plays it and he's fun to watch. And he's got, he'll, a little bit of this way, if there's hints that, not in this movie, but there's hints mm. in real life that Rudy may not have been totally straight, I might think the same thing about Derville. Yeah, Derville is, although he's seen mostly with women, he's play, Snipes plays him as very flaming. Yeah. Very I, flamboyant. Yeah. But uh, let's get to Eddie. What do you think yeah. of Eddie? I think Eddie does a really good job in this. And it's funny, despite the fact that Rudy is a very over-the-top character, Eddie, I think, play he doesn't... Eddie Murphy has a tendency to either just play Eddie Murphy or go way over the top with his performances. And I don't think he does that here. No, I agree. There's a lot of Eddie Murphy in the character. But I think because maybe Murphy sees himself in there. Well, and so here's the thing. One of the things I decided to do and was surprised that I could easily do, is to Mm -hmm. listen to some of uh, Rudy Ray Moore's early comedy. His Uh first three albums, which came out in the early 60s as comedy albums. So, like, that was something they kind of fudged over in in this biopic, is they talk about how he had a music career, which he did. But they don't, Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going to do a comedy album. Like, that's a new thing. It wasn't. He did three albums before. Um, The early ones weren't as... um, graphic as the Dolomite yeah. ones, yeah. but they're very much of the culture. Um, and I want to get back to the culture a little later. And some of them are funny. Then the Dolomite record is about the filthiest thing I think I've ever heard. And they're not pulling punches in this film. That's pretty much what's on the record. Um, uh, some of it's a little worse. Hmm. And I think he does a pretty good job. I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of Eddie Murphy. And I also can see why he might see some of himself in Rudy Ray Moore, because early Eddie Murphy was not exactly clean. No, and also Eddie tried to have a music career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should remember My Girl Wants to Party All the Time. Not his version of it. (laughs) I know Weird Al's (laughs) version of it. But he was funny. Oh, that first stand-up of him in the red leather suit. Oh, is that funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think he shows some nice breadth here. He portrays Rudy as driven, having some depth. There's a few scenes where his, his facade drops and we get to see what literally brought him to this point and got him out of Arkansas. And I think ostensibly this film is meant to be funny and deal with more of the positive sides mm-hmm. of the character. And that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure they gloss over some stuff. I'm sure, I mean, there was he was apparently a pretty serious drug user and drinker. I didn't even find that in the information yeah. I found on him. 
I wouldn't surprise yeah, me. I've heard rumors, but it's true. It was not a big part of who he was. He no. wasn't an out of control. No. I I think they may have added a little of the down and outness. He was working at that mm. record store, etc. But I don't know if if things were as dire as they appear in the film. I just, I don't honestly know. I couldn't find that much out, but well, honestly, the reason they become dire is he spends all his money trying to make this movie. Well, that's, he does. Okay. I mean, he's made, he has his own apartment. He, he's, uh, he's got enough. Well, I mean, but but the, the, I mean the point when Rico walks in and he kicks him out yeah. of the store. Yeah. I think that's his down and out part. Like I can't, I can't even yeah. entertain people for five minutes in front of my friend's band. That's when mm-hmm. he's down and out. Yeah. And I think he does show some really good range here. So I I wanted speaking of Rico, I wondered do you, that's an interesting moment in effect. Is Rudy like doing research when he goes and records Rico and the other other homeless guys or is he just straight up plagiarizing? Did he steal everything? Well, he paid a dollar for it. <laughs> Well, technically, yes. So well, I, I guess he, he paid for it. But let's face it. It's exploitation. Mm-hmm. Here's a homeless yeah. guy who's telling me something I can use. I'm going to give him a pittance. And at that point, yeah. to be fair, he only has a pittance. Not like he comes back and finds him later and buys him a car or anything. Mm-hmm. But he takes these pittance. He actually goes down to this old broken down hotel and mm-hmm. records the stories of all these homeless people whom he later kicks out of said hotel <laughs> so he can make his movie, doesn't seem to pay anybody off or anything. No, I'm sure he just strong art because I didn't know it was the same people, but because they said they were all junkies. They were using the, the hotel as a shooting gallery. But uh, does it really matter? Not really. Yeah, he throws them all out, obviously. We don't, they notice they sort of gloss over that, how he did it. I'm guessing he probably literally dragged them out. Yeah. And I actually thought it was a very interesting human moment. And by that, I mean, it is not a cultural moment. It's a human moment. Because we talk a lot about, uh, in a lot of films, about cultural appropriation, right? Mm -hmm. Mostly white people, because we don't have any culture, go to other places. (laughs) It's a hot dog. Uh, (laughs) Go to other cultures, take what we want, make make something out of it, and either don't give credit, don't give any kind of mention or whatever to the originators of said culture. It's happened many, many times over and over. People are starting to stand up and say, hey, don't do that, don't do that. In this film, (laughs) they're kind of (laughs) commenting on, that's not a white people thing, that's a human thing. We all do Mm -hmm. that. And in fact, given the circumstances, we're going to do it to ourselves, right? Mm. I actually thought that was a very interesting and important point to leave in the film, and I'm glad they did. Just because I and I think when it comes right down to it, nobody's better than anybody else. Given mm-hmm. the chance, I think any culture would do the same thing. So yeah. it is one big dent in the character of Rudy Ray Moore, though. But you can kind of understand it. Again, he is one of those people, sort of like Ed Wood, who is <laughs> desperate to be famous. And the thing is, I think Rudy is way more self-aware. He knows who he is. He knows who his, whose acts appeal to. Mm-mm. I don't know if he's self-aware or lucky because mm, he's, both. he's got the same amount of childlike self-belief that Ed Wood is known to have had. <laughs> he just doesn't, he has talent where Ed really kind of didn't. Does he? Well, he has talent as a comedian. He's funny. 
he clearly does not have talent as an actor. Or a martial artist. <laughs> but here's the thing, and I haven't seen Dolomite, now I want to. Yeah. Would his having skill as either of those things made those films any better? No, because as he... It strikes me, especially after having seen other movies, when he's watching Dolomite, when he sees the first audience, and they're all laughing, he thought this is like an action film, an adventure film. It reminded me of The Disaster Merchant, about oh, the, the film about Tommy artist. Wiseau and the disaster artist, uh, Tommy Wiseau and The Room. And when, when Tommy hears people laughing, at first he's horrified. And then he just sort of, you know, goes with like, hey, I hope you like my movie. What was supposed to be a comedy. Huh? Initially, <laughs> initially, you know, Rudy is, oh, they're all laughing. They all think this is hilarious. And then he's like, that's cool. I like that. I'm making them laugh. That's what I'm good at. That's what I like to do. Yeah. And he's like, of course, of course it's supposed to be funny. They're laughing, right? Yeah. That's why I think I'm not sure about his self-awareness being any better uh, than Ed's. I think he's just more, I mean, hell of a lot more successful. True. true. I mean, when he's filming the fight sequence and uh, Wesley Snipes, who's the director, you know, Derville, is just, he can barely look at him. And then he just turns and looks at him and goes, was it as good as Shaft? <laughs> well, the um, thing is, it's like, uh, is there an angle? Uh, what angle can oh, we shoot yes. this at so it makes it actually look like he's hitting the guy? There is no I, such angle. Let's get it groovy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who that cameraman was, the director of photography? He looked really familiar, but no. Not the who actor. The actual person. No. no. It was Von Stroheim's son. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, really? I think so. <laughs> oh I looked it God. up, and I'm trying to remember if that was the actual. It was some major silent oh, German director. Oh, must have been so proud. <laughs> uh, which was hilarious. I tried, it was somebody like that, and I know I've got the, the name wrong. It wasn't Von Stroheim. It was the other German yeah. silent film director. Preminger? <laughs> no. Now, of course, All I've right. forgotten. There were a couple. Yeah. But, yeah. but it was his son who's going to, to film school, which was pretty funny. Oh, Okay. There is a there's a comedy bit uh, that they do, and this is when Lady Reed comes out as her persona, Queen Bee, and she's doing this mm -hmm. bit with Rudy, and they're singing this horribly dirty, <laughs> I don't know, country but hillbilly really song. catchy song. But and I love the fact that they sort of fall into this very redneck accent while they're singing yeah. it. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. What did you think? I thought that's great. I mean, it wasn't necessarily redneck. They're doing Deep South accent because, like, he at least was from Arkansas, and the implication is everyone in that group is from the South. Oh, it was meant to be a redneck, a hillbilly. Yeah, yeah okay. totally. I, I, I thought that was really funny, and I, again, wish we had seen more of that. I like little things like when they're show, shooting the scene with the warden as, you know, the the one white actor, well, one of the white actors they have who's like, as he said, oh, yeah, I, I play the white heavy. Yeah. I play the bad guys. And I like Lady Reed's like, well, I, I guess you've you, you found what you can do. <laughs> and you notice that when he's saying his lines, she's mouthing them along with him, like bad actors usually do. <laughs> <laughs> that, And I like the way Rudy deals with, he has a sex scene, an explicit sex scene. And instead of being like, oh, wow, yeah, I mean, he's really self-conscious because mm -hmm. he's not... He, you know, he's a little pudgy. He's not, uh, he's not Richard Roundtree, basically. No. He's not Shaft. And so he decides to just lean into the comedy of it and has, like, the pictures on the walls are shaking <laughs> and the lamp is, is, go, is flickering on and off and eventually the ceiling actually collapses. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, like, didn't know what to do. It was, again, Lady Reed who said, mm -hmm. look, make it funny. 
Yeah. Do what you do best. Go make it funny. And he's like, and you, yeah, make it funny. Mm, doodly, doodly, doodly. And, and that's something. I think that's one of the reasons they get along. Is he obviously, for all his confidence, he has body image issues. Sure. Which you know is an understandable thing. Even people yeah. who are not like fat, but who are even mm. like just not built. Don't want to take their shirts off in Hollywood because no. it's such a, a stigma of like, if I'm not perfect, I don't want to be on screen. So you don't have an eight pack, forget it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had one for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to say that uh, a little bit of Weird Al snuck in because when uh, Moore goes down to the alley to talk to his friends or his yeah. uh, his new wino friends and he was going to pay them off, he fans out the cash. And all I could think of was, it's all about the Washingtons. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is yeah. funny sad funky and exploitative at the same time oh mm. speaking of funky mm. the music is Ooh. awesome right from the start what's incredible is this is this late 60s and 70s music yeah it's early 70s which is yeah early 70s a lot of 70s music is not wonderful no but they found the stuff that is. They found the funk. You know, they found Marvin Gaye. They found things like Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself. Yeah. Like, oh, man. The music in this movie is awesome. It really is. I didn't look into the soundtrack, but if you have any interest in early 70s funk and that kind of thing, soul, look it up. It's really, really good. I, I also like the Dolomite theme that they wrote. It's really is, catchy, isn't it? it? It is. It's not. It's not Shaft, but no. uh, it's very catchy. Now, being a um, vinyl fanatic like I am, yeah. I of course the film opens at a record store, and it's like, oh, this film's going to be fantastic. Obviously, it's going to be great because <laughs> I I had knew nothing about this uh, film. Uh, I didn't know it was a period mm-hmm. piece. I didn't know it was. I actually thought it was like. What if we made another Dolomite film? I didn't know it was mm-hmm. a biopic. So I see the record store and it's like, is this, okay, are we doing tongue-in-cheek? Oh, no, no, this is a real, at-the-time record store. And then he makes a record, which he's selling out mm-hmm. of his uh, yeah, the trunk, trunk of his, of his car. car. And yep. I'm like, oh, I bet that record's worth a mint today. Uh, I looked <laughs> it up. Yeah. A still-sealed copy of Eat, Eat Out More is mm-hmm. $135. Hey, wow. Which... For a record, it's okay. That's, that's pretty good. His stuff's actually fairly affordable as far as vinyl goes. Um, and it's also available on streaming services. If you have things like Apple Music, go ahead and listen. It's there. Even his uh. earliest records from like 61, 62, 63, uh, the ones that were literally recorded in his living room, they're there, um, which is actually pretty cool. I'm actually glad that that stuff's reachable. I like some of the little Hollywood shots that are taken in this too. I mean, the fact that there were black movies and there were white movies oh boy and let's face it that hasn't gone away no well remember we we did that whole series on viola davis yeah but there are also things like what tyler perry is one of the most successful uh filmmakers in hollywood he is he's made a ton of money yep how many tyler perry movies have you seen i'm not sure if i've seen any yeah, I don't think I've seen any either. I've seen him in things, but I don't think I've ever... I've never seen a Medea movie. And I don't think I've ever seen any of his stuff. They, they, you know, those are movies that aren't aimed at us. Well, and they don't need to be. And mm-hmm. I, that's something I did wanted to talk about a bit, a little bit, is that is the culture of this film, the culture mm. as depicted. I don't know about you, this film made me feel uncomfortable. 
Some of it, yeah, definitely. Again, not a bad thing. It's just, no. I realized I know nothing about this culture. I don't mean, okay, yeah, I watched some Sanford and Son or whatever. No, I know nothing. You mean, like, when you say this culture, you mean uh, black American culture? Especially of the 70s, but even yeah. potentially today. I know nothing. Mm. And when he first does his Dolomite stand-up, I mm -hmm. honestly couldn't tell it was funny or not. The people in the film are shown laughing because, you know, it's the film and that's what may or may not have happened. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. is this funny? I don't know. And I realized the humor is so entrenched and based on a culture I've had no experience with, I literally can't tell. Mm. What did you think? I thought I thought it was funny, mostly because uh, just the delivery and the rhymes. But yeah, I get the feeling he was referencing. There were cultural references. I had no idea. Didn't, I just did not get. I remember this problem with Richard Pryor. He would do a character called Mudbone. And I would just sit there during when he was doing that and going, I, I don't get this. I can barely understand what he's saying. I this this is not for me. And yes, it's very discomforting. Which again, as you say, is not bad. It's it's a good indicator. But yeah, there was a lot of this that was very distinctive and very other. Yeah. For me. And I'm wondering if that's why more people don't, see, I'm sorry, that's why more white people don't go see things yeah. like Tyler Perry movies is because it's based on things they don't, literally don't understand. And mm. they're like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to go see it, which is kind of too bad. I, I, for yeah. all I know, Tyler Perry is a genius. I've never seen his films. The character does not appeal to me, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't at some point sit down and watch it and find out. I watched this. Mm -hmm. And it was, this I think is the most culturally entrenched black film I've ever watched. I've watched other huh. films that involve cultural stuff of, from black culture. Like when we watched um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which was an excellent film. But mm. even that was still dealing so much with white culture that it felt not as... Yeah, it didn't True. keep that was me more out as black people try, That was like black musicians trying to break into the white business. Right. Yeah. So I didn't feel that that was, I felt it was softened a bit. And I'm not, not mm. necessarily in a bad way. It was just, it allowed me to watch that and understand it a little better than this film does. This film is like, now we're not doing that. And if you, yeah. if you listen, please, please do. It's filthy. It is filthy. <laughs> but please go listen to one of uh, Ruby, Ruby Rod. Listen to Rudy Ray Moore's albums. The, at the very least, the cadence and like you said, the storytelling aspect of it is really interesting. And it's been said, not unironically, that he's kind of the godfather of rap. Yeah, no, they've people have, have argued that. A lot of people have, have said that because the way his delivery style, which was, if you listen to it, it's basically he's doing poetry. Mm -hmm. The cadence and the rhythm is very reminiscent of rap. Yeah, and even the little bit he does at the end that Eddie does at the end with the kid outside the theater, it sounds like a rap battle. Well, and so that reference is something that I, I vaguely knew of, but didn't know the name mm. of it is called a game called the dozens. And mm. apparently the deal is two people oh, yeah. stand in front of a group and they insult each other until one of them gives away. Ideally in rhyme. Right. But by the way, do you know where that term comes from? I do. The not. dozens. It's an old slavery term. Ugh. When, when slaves were sold, most were sold individually. Oh. You know, big, strong ones were sold, you know, individually healthy folks. 
If they were old, sickly, or weak-looking, they were sold in groups of 12. Yikes. Just you buy here, buy this. So if you, being in the dozens, and not just the slave owners, but the slaves used to adopt that as slang. Mm. It was a huge insult. Yikes. Yeah, that's where that comes from. But yes, it's very similar. That's the dozens made its way into rap and and hip-hop culture. Yeah. Do you have any favorite quotes from the film? Mm. I had a couple. Oh, there's a bunch. I, I really like when Wesley Snipe when Derville is leaving. And as he's saying, you know, y'all did really good. I'll, I'll see you at the premiere. And then he turns around, comes back inside, goes, no, 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 no. Probably won't be a premiere. <laughs> he was wrong. <laughs> he was wrong. By the way, I still think, and I, oh, I may be completely wrong, I think Wesley Snipes throws a little inside joke in, oh? in this movie. When he's trying to inspire Rudy, saying, you know, take that feeling, everyone who said, no, use it. And he says it over and over, use it. He does that same thing in Blade Trinity <laughs> with Jessica Biel. Uh, that's when, the third one, right? Yes. No wonder I didn't notice one. it. I fell asleep yes. during that movie. because yeah. As you should. Yeah. yeah. Isn't Patton in that one? I think he is. He, yes, he is. And he's completely wasted. Yeah. I hope he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got a couple of quotes. One of them is yeah. an all-girl kung fu army, <laughs> and it's a yeah. cinemagical reality. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I like him saying, you know, when they're reading the reviews of Dolomite, and the reviews, of course, are just shredding them. And why are they? Yeah. Hmm? Because because they're like by they're white saying, guys in newspapers. Yeah, yeah, they're saying calling it Dolomite and. But uh, they're saying it's coarse, rude, and vulgar. And Rudy is the only one in the group who goes, that's great. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It says, that's going to get us more people because they're going to want to come out and see just how coarse, rude, and vulgar Dolomite is. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's really hard to argue with. Yeah. I agree. Um, but do we agree? Do we, um, do we think this movie actually works? That's a big mm. question. And even bigger, this is supposed to be a series about comedies. Is it funny? Mm. Maybe we should get to that part and decide. Let's do that. The finish. So, Max. Yo. You saw this when it came out four years ago. I did. Three years yep. ago. What did you think then? I liked it. I was really surprised. Because first off, you know, Eddie Murphy, I haven't liked a lot of the stuff he's done where you can actually see him. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except, you know, except for Shrek. Yes. You can't see but, him in uh, Shrek. Exactly. I see. I really liked it. I thought he did a great job. I thought he was a lot of fun. I thought the movie, I, I don't know, it's a little like, you know, rags to riches, or su sudden success, all that. We've seen the story before, except it's nice. Yeah. He really is what, I, I, he's not ego, so ego obsessed that he's not concerned about his friends He's not insane about it. He's not like, I will succeed no matter how I have to step, how many people I have to step on. He's like, I want all of us to succeed. He really wants Lady Reed to succeed. He wants Jerry to succeed. He wants to, he says, he wants to make something good. He wants to make something that people will remember. That's his big line, which I really like. And it sums up every performer, every actor, every musician. I want the world to know I exist. Mm. I, I I thought he did it, and he did it. 
Well, now you've seen it another time, a few years later, yeah. and now with yeah. a little bit more wisdom, mm. more dumb than whiz, uh, yeah. what do you think now? Uh, I still like it, and I do think it's funny. Mostly, I think Wesley Snipes is funny, yeah. but uh, I like I like his routines. I like, and you know, the fact that we can sit there and go, "Ha, huh, Dolomite is a pimp." which he is. Mm -hmm. The whole character, the whole persona is a pimp. He is dressed like a pimp. He talks about, he even says, you know, it's a character. I, I don't have a stable of whores. I'm not a pimp. But that's what Dolomite is. Again, very strange to think of that as a positive character, but he, he pulls it off. And yes, in a lot of ways, he could have made him an awful character because he's trying to get money from everyone he can. He's begging. He's like threatening his aunt with a butter knife. I know he's kidding. <laughs> yeah, and she no, she is in no way intimidated by him at all. No, she's great, and I like the fact that we see him pay her back. Yeah, and I, I just he makes he makes Rudy, who could be a horrible character, really likable. Yeah. And you, you're rooting for him. You want him to make this movie. You want, you you want people to like it. It's really thrilling when you see the mob of people that show up for the premiere. Yeah, and I didn't that moment when he, they're in the car and he's just like, "Well, everyone, look, if this doesn't go over well, let's just vow to have a good time." Okay, and it's like we should be proud. We made a movie. Yep. I'm proud of all, myself. I'm proud of all of us. Even if only five people show up, and I, and there's so many people, they have to add extra shows. Well, and I didn't know. I literally didn't mm. know what they were going to find, and it was seemed uh, very quiet. And I was like, yeah. Uh. So I like that they're in a blood red limousine. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know those existed. What now? You've never. This was your first time seeing it. Never even heard how of did, it. How did it work for you? Again, for me, it felt like I, in a way, it felt like I don't belong here. This is not a movie for me. It is not in any way aimed at my tastes, my experiences, any of that stuff. Good. Mm. I could, quote unquote, safely experience some of this culture. And what I mean by safely is I could experience it without making an idiot of myself. Because if I had gone <laughs> to any of these clubs or anything to try and experience the music, I would have come off as a total idiot, moron, whatever. I would not know what to do. And that's fine. I shouldn't be comfortable in every situation, right? Because there's tons mm -hmm. of times when other people aren't comfortable in the main situation that I exist in. So that's cool. It's good to move outside your comfort zone. It, it expands things. But when the film was done... What did I do? It's like, I want to go and hear some of his original stuff. I went and looked up mm. his records on Discogs. Yeah. Like, How much are these? Uh, I, I went and streamed some of his stuff to hear about it. Do I understand all of it? Do I appreciate it? No. But that's because it doesn't come from my point of view. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. I think this is Eddie Murphy's best dramatic role that I've seen him in. Right? Because mm. uh, this is a comedy, but it's still a dramatic part. Yeah, yeah. This isn't uh, him playing uh, the guy from... Uh, 48 Hours? Well, 48 Hours, what's the, the Beverly Hills Cop. It's not Beverly oh, Hills oh. Cop. It's not... No. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's more than that. There's a lot more depth. And I think it's a more daring performance. He literally does bear most of himself, even if parts of it were a, a uh, <laughs> He had a butt double. double. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's good enough for anybody else in Hollywood. Why not? I don't think yeah. there's a bad performance in the film. I think it's mostly just it's mm. so spread out. That the yeah. only standouts are really Eddie Murphy. I, I got to give Divine Joy Randolph. Man, I you know, I really want to mm. see a, a whole film about her. I have this feeling there's another story there. At least I hope there is. I bet. I think it's very well made. It probably didn't get nearly the 
press it should have. And I am very glad I watched it. Is, yeah. is it a favorite oh, cool. film? No, but I'm glad I saw it. Parts of it made me laugh out loud. And I'm glad I learned a little bit about something in, about the country in which I live. Because <laughs> it is. Yeah. I also, part of it for me is I like movies about making movies. I think it, I always think they're fun. Even if they're this sort of desperate scrounge up any dime or if it's a big multi-million dollar project. I just, I really like that. Oh, I think it's better when the movies are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it, when it's been proven over and over again that when somebody who had nothing and they had to scrimp and pull and, and just think their way out of a problem makes a film and it's really good, as soon as you mm-hmm. give them a lot of money, everything goes to crap. Mm-hmm. That's generally that what happens. Happen a lot. Because when you have access to everything, you can't choose. That yeah. tends to be what we do. But mm. speaking of butts... This, this week's what? poll question. <laughs> what? <laughs> sure. Hey, you screwed yeah. up all of my segues last week, so I'm not even trying this week. I would like to know. We would like to know. Bad segue! <sighs> I'm going to give you a push. <laughs> Who is your favorite film director? Who makes movies that you're just going to go see because their name is up there in the credits under directed by or a film by mm. or autored by? Ooh, Okay, unhinge my jaw. I think it did. <laughs> my face isn't the right shape to speak French. <laughs> and you can let us know by emailing us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to our website where all of our special episodes have special little boxes into which they specially live all by themselves. Mm-hmm. You can leave comments, give us ideas for films to watch, for series. Heck, Patton Oswald gave us an, an idea for a series, and he doesn't even know it. That's MaxMikeMovies.com. You can find us on Facebook, where, once again, you can give us comments, answers to the poll question, whatever. We're there under Max Mike Movies. And, of course, uh-huh. lastly but not leastly, every podcast app ever invented or ever will be invented will fit on this. <laughs> th- no, you, we are probably on that podcast app as, you guessed it, Max Mike Movies. But what I can't yep. guess is what mm-hmm. we're going to watch next week, Max. What film are we going to watch in our comedy series What's so funny next week? The full nine-hour version of Berlin Alexanderplatz. What a laugh, Ryan. <laughs> Can we team that up with a Knights Werner Herzog double feature? Absolutely. Oh. Ha. Oh, we are in for some laughs, yeah? Yep. Yes, we laugh like the Russians do. We don't laugh, they just go, <laughs> fun you. Swim well, very yeah, we nice. Are, <laughs> we are going, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Yakov Smirnov. Well, no, no, no I'm not. <laughs> no. not. Not for Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> no, I'm very country, sorry yeah. for, for Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> but, um, no, we're going to be watching, a while back we watched a movie, which we both love, Murder by Death. Mm. We're going to watch a movie that is, it's sort of spiritual successor. Uh? This is a movie I saw when it came out, and I have not seen in a long time. And I, this is another one like Mer- Love at First Bite. I want to see if it holds up. And it is called The Cheap Detective, starring Peter Falk. As not Columbo, but kind of Columbo? As not Sam Diamond, (laughs) but kind of Sam Diamond. I think the character's name is Lou Peckinpah. (laughs) (laughs) Where did they get that name? (laughs) I just don't know, but we're going to find out. Is it funny? Is it funny, but not funny? Or is it funny? (laughs) We're going to find out. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max, 
and The Movie Wrench. 